This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our twice weekly show on a Tuesday and a Friday at 5 p.m. UK time every single week. And our Tuesday show is usually a show in which I'm joined by a guest. And today I was supposed to be joined by Lee Judges. Um, and I spoke to Lee this morning. And of course, I'm sure a lot of you have, have seen the very sad news which came out today regarding Claude. And I spoke to Lee this morning and he is taking a, a brief break uh, from some shows to just have some period of, of reflection. Sorry about that. Which is completely fair enough. Um, and... I think that when it comes down to, like, I put out a, uh, a statement on Twitter uh, and I said that, obviously, regrettably, me and Claude didn't, weren't on the kind of same page eye to eye in the last, kind of in the recent past. And that's incre- incredibly regrettable to myself. And our thoughts go out, of course, of everyone involved at TGT to... To, to his family and, and to those close to him. Um, and I, I just hope that, as we've talked about on this channel a lot, that kind of looking at the mental health side of things and looking at online and, and being online and social media, and it was a very timely as well when you see Arsenal, of course, today tweeting out the hashtag stop online abuse. Online abuse is real. Um, and there are millions of people that are affected uh, by this and I'm just think it shouldn't and I've seen a lot of people quite rightly tweet today saying it's, it shouldn't take things that we've seen today to make people turn around and say be kind because we should always try and do that um no one's perfect I'm not perfect I'm sure you watching this video are, are not perfect but we just need to start making a real conscious effort to start being nice to each other on social media. It shouldn't take something like this, but we're in this situation and we just need to move forwards uh, and really treat each other better. And on this channel specifically, 
we always try and be as open as possible to differing opinions and to get your thoughts and ideas but ultimately not everyone is as open and so you can't control the thoughts and the words and the actions of other people but what you can do is you can report other people you can send as much evidence as you can to the appropriate authorities and we also have got a hope and pray that the social media authorities can start really making a drastic change because it's not good enough um what's what's happening and what's leading to a lot of things happening across um the whole of social media um it's not okay and yeah that's we're going to continue on with the show as i always intended to but i wanted to say something at the start of the video because it wouldn't be right uh, if i didn't so thoughts again are with everyone associated with claude and his family and the people close to him and uh, we wish them um all the condolences we can but let's crack on today's show So the aim of kind of the show today is um, down to talking about Granite Xhaka. And me and Lee were going to have a discussion about this. And I'm still intending to have a a discussion about this with you guys because things have... Granite Xhaka this season has obviously been a complete kind of two sides of of the coin. At the start of the season, when Arsenal are really very poor, Granite Xhaka himself was incredibly, incredibly poor. Um, and really kind of let down the side in, in elements of his play, in how in how he has to move the play forwards. He was bad. He was really, really poor. Um, since Boxing Day, Arsenal itself has turned things around, and Granit Xhaka has been a huge part of that. has been a massive part of keeping Arsenal going, really utilising our left flank, helping the likes of Kieran Tierney, and pushing the ball onto the left flank really well. Granit Xhaka is someone that divides opinion very, very harshly and polarisingly. Um, and you see all hail of, of different kind of views and opinions surrounding um, Granit Xhaka. <laughs> and I think that, I think obviously a lot of this comes from a frustration with the mistakes that he makes. Let me give you my, as I know some of you know where my thoughts are already, but let me just set up my stall how I feel about Granit Xhaka right now, how I feel about what we should do with him and how we should approach the summer. And then I would love to get your thoughts. And I'm sure I can see people in the comments already saying keep him, already saying sell him. Um, And if you feel a different way to me, great. I'd love to hear your other opinions, but try to explain them. Tell me the reasons as to why. What are you so frustrated about? Why is it that you think we should sell him? Why do you think we should keep him? If you think the other side of things, but do Fully explain your points in the chat box because I'd love to really understand the other the other side of thinking. So my thoughts are is that at Arsenal right now, Granit Xhaka is the second best centre midfielder that we've got at the club by a distance. Like he's considerably better than Danny Savas and he's considerably better than Mohamed El Nenny. He's considerably worse than Thomas Partey, and, and that's the level that we're at. We kind of have this huge gap between the likes of Savas, El Nenny. Uh, Joe Willock, Ainsley Maitland-Niles in that kind of category, lower down the end of the spectrum. Then you've got Granit Xhaka, I believe, well above them. And then well above Granit Xhaka is is Thomas Partey. And, and we need to be looking to add in players and get into as much as we can around that Thomas Partey collection of people. That's what we need to do. That's how I feel we need to be looking at the club, is that if you ever want to bring anyone in 
You need to be looking at Granit Xhaka as the benchmark. He is the benchmark of what we need to ultimately do um, and, and look towards in, in order to improve our position. I think that Granit Xhaka is an incredibly misunderstood player. I don't think he's a likeable character. I, even someone who appreciates his footballing ability, am not his biggest fan. I'm really, really not. Um, I don't like how he, how he reacted to... Um, the fans on the pitch when the fans were booing him. Now, I don't I don't agree with the booing that was going on, and I don't agree with the abuse that he has suffered. Again, we go back in full segue and full circle to this idea of online abuse again. And I understand his frustration. I understand why he got so angry. I understand why it was such a, such a problem. Um, but what I will say is that he can't react that way. It's as simple as that. You shouldn't react that way internalize it or publicly respond to it on social media or in an interview, but don't in the middle of a football game, probably not the best time. That's, that's the issue. Um, and when I look at what ultimately is available to Arsenal and what I think that we can get in the summer, I think we can get players that are as good and better than Granite Xhaka. And we should look to do that. But the thing is, everyone's going, sell Xhaka. He's the one you should sell. But that's not the way I look at it. I look at it and go, you've got Mohamed Elneny here. You've got Willock here. And you've got Ainsley Maitland-Niles here. Sell the guys that are worse than Granite Xhaka first. Improve the squad by bringing in players that are better than those guys. And then, and Genduzi is another one, get rid of those guys and then build upon what we've got. If we get to the point then we've got a collective of Partey and two other midfielders, then yeah, go on. Sell, sell Granite Xhaka. Send him. For all I care, get rid of him. But we, in my opinion, don't have the we don't have the capacity or the the excuse to turn around and go, yeah, sell him. Because I don't see Arsenal going out and signing two centre midfielders in the summer. If you were telling me that Granit Xhaka is going to go and we're going to sign two number sixes or two number six slash eight style players to add to Thomas Partey, I'd be like, okay, you know, that's fair enough. But just bringing in one with El Nene with just a year left on his deal. For me, I'm moving on those guys first. I'm not looking at moving on Granite Xhaka. And there's a few things that have come out today that I'm going to show you uh, just now. Let me throw this up on the screen so you can see it. CIES uh, Football Observations have calculated like the, the top performers of the current Premier League season. And Arsenal's for each team. And Arsenal's top performer of the 2020-21 season has been Granite Xhaka. Not Partey, not Aubameyang, not Tierney, not Smith-Rowe, not Erdegaard, not all of these guys. But Granite Xhaka is the most, is the top performing player in Arsenal's squad this season, based upon all of the performances that we've seen so far this season. It, it is a, I just can't get my head around how so many people can't see necessarily what I feel I'm seeing. That's that's the issue for me. I just can't understand why there is so much kind of like just turning a blind eye to all of the good things that he does. I'm well up for having a debate where someone's able to go, look, I appreciate all of this and that, what he does, and and highlight those things. But I can't, I just can't get my head around the people to go that he's a rubbish footballer because it's just it's just. <laughs> factually wrong it's just factually wrong that he's a bad player he isn't like that's all of the statistics say completely different and the people talk about kind of the errors that he's done he's made eight errors leading to a goal in the premier league since his arrival which is more than any other player 
in that same time period. Now, you have to remember that Granit Xhaka has also been at the club for an exceptionally long time. So that going since he joined more than any other player. And then you're looking at the numbers of those and there's eight and you're averaging out less than two errors per season. Per season. That for me in itself is not something to bash him with. And it's something I think that a lot of websites and Twitter accounts have used to kind of throw out as a statistic to build this negative persona and profile of this guy. I also want to go into um, some of the, the Y-Scout statistics and look into how Granit Xhaka has been this season in terms of his passing because people say that he's like this backwards parts passing merchant. And again, that's that's not true. <laughs> that's just actually, just as uh, what's his name? As Ed Miliband say, it's just wrong. It's just not true. I just don't get it. Um, let's have a look at Granit Xhaka's passing, shall we? So... This season, Granite Jack has a passing percentage of 91.3% in terms of his accuracy. We'll come on to looking at El Nenny uh, in a bit. Um, passes into the final thirds. That's passes going into the attacking third of the pitch. He's making, on average, 10.45 per game with an 82.2% passing accuracy. Passes into the penalty area. He's doing nearly one and a half per game from a deep centre midfield position. He's making one pass, uh, 1.43 pass into the penalty area per game, and it's at 66.1%. Let me tell you, in comparison to a lot of other players and passing the ball into the box, that's not a low statistic. That's not a low accuracy at all. In terms of the amount of times he passes forwards in comparison to passing backwards, as you can see on the screen here, you're looking at a player that's passing nearly double the amount of forward passes he makes in comparison to backward passes. And this is that this is just completely shunning that myth that all he does is pass backwards. So he's a negative player. That is categorically a myth. It is not true. And the statistics support that. And let's have a look like at last season, for instance, at his passing. Let's have a look at the last. Again, forward passes in 2019-20, 17.36 to 7.84 forward to backward. Let's go back another season. Uh, 23. So this in 2018-19, he passed more forward passes in terms of like a double. It was double the ratio to backward passes, 23.81 to 11.23. 2017 18, 22.78 to 9.6. 2016-17, 25 to 10. And I think that's also come from the fact that we've changed systems as well. And wow, you look at 2015-16, 27.23 forward passes to 9.94 so he has become more reserved that is nowhere near you like that is a fact he's become more reserved than his passing he isn't maybe passing as much and i think that comes from a change of style change of manager um but what he still is doing is passing the ball forwards more than he is passing it backwards it is just pure it's just a myth <laughs> it's just a myth and i'm hoping that we can kind of we can um, quash that kind of myth and and that rhetoric that he's a negative passing player um, out of it. So there you go. That's the passing side of things. Let's have a look at the defensive side of his game. He makes 5.13 this season. He's made 5.13 defensive duels and he's winning 53.3% of those over the course of this season. He's winning just over 50% of his duels. He makes 4.45 interceptions per match. Uh, he loses the ball 6.53 times. That's losses of possession. And I'll have a look at some of the other guys because Thomas Partey, for instance, is a higher uh, rate of those. But he recovers the ball one and a half times more, just under, 
um, times than, than he's losing the ball, which is good. When you see that ratio there and the recoveries is a high number of the losses, it's a positive thing, especially when it's nearly 1.5 times um, the amount, which is also a really good one. Yellow and red cards, nine yellow cards, one red card this season. We know he's a hothead. That's that's, that's very true. We've got the red card against Burnley, and that is a part of his game that, that we wish we could nullify. But when you look at a player who's now 27, 28, 29 years of age, it's very difficult. You're very. Uh, it's very unlikely you're going to get that side of his game out of things. So that's something that you need to look at. Um, let's have a look at his heat map and where he is on the pitch. So obviously he skews to the left-hand side. We know that. Looking at the left-hand flank, he does progress into the other half of the pitch. People call him very negative and a very negative style player. Again, he's progressing the ball into the other half of the pitch. He finds himself in that half of the pitch and passing the ball and using the ball to the wide left-hand flank. That's often where he finds it. I mean, if we have a look at some of the passes he's made this season, we'll have a look at where he's passing the ball. Um, all of these passes down the left-hand flank on this side. This is passing to the final third, passes over here. If we love a look at the passes on this side of things in this game. So against West Ham, when we drew 3-3, 22 forward passes in comparison to 10 backwards passes. All of them are kind of around that, that left-hand side of the pitch, across the pitch, and in using that left-hand flank. Um, looking at the successful passes and the non-successful... Oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> we're looking at the, uh, the successful passes here uh, and the unsuccessful passes he makes. His unsuccessful passes, he made one down the left-hand side that was quite close to goal. But the unsuccessful passes in that game, he made four of them in the other half of the pitch. And all of them came for trying to switch the ball to the other side of the pitch. It's not what he does typically. If we look at the other game, let's go to another game. Let's look at when we lost to Olympiacos or we didn't have the best of games. His passing in that match, very again, heavily on this side. Now, the unsuccessful passes here, this is where we need to have a look at some of the, the, the failings of, of Granit Xhaka. He's given the ball away of his unsuccessful passes three times, uh, one on the left-hand side, sorry, four times in his own half, one on the left-hand side, uh, sorry, two on the left-hand side, one in the middle of the pitch, and one just uh, skewed out slightly to the right of centre. They're the passes which I think a lot of people kind of fixate on, look at, and go, oh, my God, he's, made, he's making so many. When actually in the real context of the game, it, it isn't lots, but it's more than what we would like. And if you ever look at some other players, I mean, let's have a look at Thomas Partey, for instance, just for comparison. It's probably a really good idea to, to just kind of get a feel, a lay of the land in terms of, of how he stacks up against them. Let's go to Thomas Partey's passing. So Thomas Partey has a lower passing accuracy at 88.6. Still good. 88.6 is good, but the 90s is where you see the exceptional side of things. Forward to backward passes. You're seeing Thomas Partey 20.6. Forward passes in comparison to 6.94. Partey, as we've talked about, is an incredibly progressive player. Loves to try and take the ball, drag it forwards. You see that in his attacking stats here. His attacking stats, you look at the dribbles. 3.26 dribbles to the 57.4%. He's a really good dribbler of the ball. That's the points on the pitch where he picks it up and drives it forwards. Really nice bit of play there. Defensively, winning 67.7% of his defensive duels. So good. So, so good. But he loses the ball more than Granite Xhaka does. Like 8.33 and compared to 6 point whatever it was for, for Granite Xhaka. He does lose the ball more and he intercepts the ball ever so slightly more. Just ever so slightly a couple of uh, percentages, uh, percentiles higher um, than, than Granite Xhaka. Defensively, the two of them, Partey comes out on top. And this is what I talked about. Like we need to be signing the players that are on the level of Thomas Partey. That's what we need to be looking at doing. But the other players we have on the pitch are the likes of Mohamed El Nenny. 
who I haven't actually looked at the stats, so he might make me look a bit silly. <laughs> let's have a look and see what Elneny is doing. Uh, 20, uh, here we go. So let's go passing first. So passing accuracy, 93.1. How many games has he played this season? He's come on the pitch a fair few times. Uh, 93.1. So his passing accuracy is like good. Like it's, it's, it's very good. It's, it's, but there's there's reasons for that. In comparison to forward to backward passes, he's passing the ball less in terms of those areas. 13 forward passes to 6.82 backward passes. So you're just under double the amount of forwards or backwards. But in comparison to Granite Xhaka, it's lower. So Xhaka is passing the ball forwards in a much more um, frequent way than what uh, Mohamed Elneny is doing. Uh, the issue is, is because these are so low in comparison to the amount of passes he's actually making, a lot of what Mohamed Elneny does is he goes sideways quite a lot. And that's, that is a bit of an issue, is, is how much he goes sideways on the pitch. Um, let's go to the uh, defensive side of his game. So 3.87 duels, and he wins 46.7%. Um, so he's, he's, uh, the amount of percentage of duels that he's winning is less than that of Granite Xhaka. Um, his percentages, again, very similar. All of our midfielders, uh, Xhaka, Partey, and Elneny, have a very similar 4.5-plus kind of interception rate. His losses... Um, are 4.38 in terms of his losses there. So less than both of, of Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka. Um, as recoveries are just below seven. So it's a positive side of things on that. But he's a very safe player. So you wouldn't expect to see necessarily the same types of losses. Um, but let's have a look at some of the passes where he has. Uh, let's have a look at the, where did he play 90 minutes more recently to see how little he's actually playing in the games. So he started the match against Leicester City. Let's have a look at that. Well, we played really well in that game. And let me just scroll down so we can see that. So the unsuccessful passes, there was one in our own half and there's one unsuccessful pass where he's passing backwards, which is a little bit concerning. Um, but a lot of them you can see there. What's the what's the theme of the passing you're seeing on the pitch? Well, you're seeing that it's, it's going very sideways in comparison to what we saw with Granite Xhaka. The passing is exceptionally sideways across the pitch, straight back to the defenders, straight across the midfield. And it's actually not so – it's not that often we're seeing him pass the ball forwards. And that is a really, really tough one. In fact, in the whole of that Leicester game, if I can click off the screen, in that Leicester game, which I'm just going to scroll up to, here we go, he passed the ball eight forwards eight times in comparison to five backward passes out of 35 passes in total. And yes, he had 94 passing accuracy, but the issue is, is those passes barely progressed the play. That's the issue that we've got. Um, so that's my kind of thoughts on it, is that if we're looking to move a centre midfielder on, move on the guy that's that's worse, which is Mohamed Elneny or, or Genduzi. Genduzi is someone that I want to look at in a lot more detail this season as well. Let's have a scroll up at the chat box and see what you guys are saying in regarding uh, Xhaka. Uh, let's go through. Here we go. Steve Stein says, the fact that he has played more outfield minutes than anybody else shows the problem we have. I would like to be in the position to sell, but unfortunately, we are not. Crypto says, sell all the trash. Stop the sentiments. Most of these players are not taking us forwards. If you like being 10th, fair enough, but I don't. Guy's been here five years and has considered the most errors to goals. But I think crypto, the issue is, is those two points you've raised there at the end is the fact that he's been here five years and he's done the most errors. He's been here five years, which is an incredibly long amount of time in the Premier League these days. And that's why he's got the most. It was like Olivier Giroud and, and some of the stats that were associated with him at Arsenal and Chelsea because he's been in the Premier League for so long. Uh, Chris says, uh, Xhaka is almost always available. He's better than most of our current midfielders, but that speaks more of the state of our midfield, which is also very true, is that 
one of the problems that we've got is that we are looking at this situation where we've got such a poor midfield behind both Partey and Xhaka that it makes <laughs> that we are desperately want to get better than what we've already got. Um, Greg says, I've never had a problem with Xhaka. His reaction to the fans once is possibly what possibly what I would have done. He's human. He reacted to ignorant bastards in the stats, and he's been a rock. I would keep him. Uh, let's scroll down a little bit more. Yonick. I know Yonick's not the big fan, biggest fan of Xhaka, so let's have a look. Yeah, but the stat clearly states since he's arrived. So he has so he is the alpha in that category. You can't say that. You can't say that's not a stick to beat him with because that's an entire log. Um, well, I think in regards to the error statistic, he's been here for five years. That's neat. That is a long time in the Premier League. So eight errors. Again, I, I don't think it is a lock to beat him with at all. I think it's some it's, it's a player that's got an error in him every like every once twice a season, twice across a whole season is a long, long time. And usually it's not the errors that we saw, like the the error against Burnley. Often it's something that happens further up the pitch that are oh, then poor defending behind him, can't save him. And hopefully, when you've got a better player around him like Partey and in the defense. You see all the good things from Xhaka and the, the bad side of his game is, is much more kind of suppressed. You don't have to deal with that as much. Machiavelli says, don't believe in stats as they can be skewed to be in favour or against an agenda. I believe in what I see on the pitch and can see what Xhaka can offer, but we need an improvement to that, which is fair enough. Um, Josh says, Xhaka doesn't start for any team above us in the table. We're lowering our standards. And that's what we need to approach with the transfer markets going forwards is that if we sign any players... We need to make sure that those players get into the teams that are above us and that we're competing with. Does Granit Xhaka get into other top six sides in the Premier League right now? No. But what you have to say about that is, is that on the top of that table, do you amount of people that turned around and scoffed at the idea of getting Jorginho in, in the summer because we were being linked to Awar and Partey and then all of a sudden the link to Jorginho comes up and Jorginho, according to CIS, has been the top performer in the whole of the Premier League above Ruben Diaz, above these guys. He would have been a very good signing. And yet a lot of people turn their noses up at someone like Jorginho, which again, I just can't get my head around. Like I wasn't, even myself at the time, I was a bit like, I'm not sure. But actually when you look into it, he's an incredibly successful midfielder for his position. He's not inspiring, but sometimes inspiring is not what you need. Sometimes transformative is what you need. Sometimes consistent and solid is what you need. And that's what Jorginho was. So I was surprised at how many people were like, no thanks, don't want him. Uh, King Sate says, we don't need to improve on El Nenny. He is just a squad player. We need to improve on Jacker in the starting 11. If we sell Jacker, we can bring in a better player. Stats don't tell the whole picture. What I'd say about that, King, is that's, I think, the issue with that is that if you if you get rid of Jacker instead of El Nenny, you're getting rid of a better player than El Nenny and you're bringing in someone else. So what you've done is you've improved the squad less because you've kept the worst player over the better player. It makes much more sense to move on El Nenny and use Granit Xhaka, who is a much better player than Mohamed El Nenny, as a squad player. He might not like it, and then he can go next season and we can sell it. But whatever that is, is that we need to improve the squad as much as possible. I think that we can all agree that getting rid of a worse player is a better way to move the clubs forward. Uh, we've had a super chat. Let me go and find it. Where's it gone? Here it is. Uh, Aya says, uh, the issue with Xhaka is his reactions and skills are too slow for the Premier League. Not that he's bad. If we want to improve from 10th, we need to improve the midfield. Again, I don't think anyone is, is debating that. Uh, Ed says, the tricky thing with Xhaka is this summer may be the best time to sell him financially, but it is probably a year early 
from a squad perspective. Jermaine Chambers says, how long do we keep Xhaka and keep having him in the team making mistakes? Too many for me. Um, until we improve on him. It's as simple as that, is that we, we keep him until we improve on him. And we need to improve on him. This this whole show is not basically me saying, Granit Xhaka is the guy that's going to take Arsenal forwards. That's not the whole point of this. The point of this is saying that we need to sell him at the right time. But there's a lot more that we can sell before Granit Xhaka before we get there. Move on Elneny, move on Maitland-Niles, move on these guys that we can move on. Move on Genduzi. None of these guys are better than Granit Xhaka. And so therefore we need to move them on and bring in better players so we have a better core group than we already did. Zemir says, Xhaka's contract expires in 2023. We aren't going to make him a bench player in a World Cup year. So of course, at the end of this season, he'll have two years left. And the World Cup is in in winter 2022 so it's a bit different and especially a bit different considering the nation that he plays for in the middle of the park there's not lots of competition for that place he's also the captain of that nation Zamir I don't necessarily think even if he was a rotation player for Arsenal that he would suddenly be out of the Swiss team if you've ever watched Xhaka for the Swiss team he's incredibly effective he's very very good and he's one of their best players nine times out of ten on the pitch he is that good for Switzerland so I don't think him being a rotation player for Arsenal necessarily puts him down the pecking order in the Swiss national side's midfield. Uh, Mitchell says, it's 2021. Every single top-level club scouting system is based on statistical analysis. It's not Mike Bassett seeing a player score a hat-trick in the FA Cup third round for Rochdale anymore. <laughs> Stats are king. Unfortunately, I know people don't like him because it means that obviously their, their agendas or arguments are proven wrong, but stats are king sometimes um, and and they they are the preference they are what matters because what you maybe see on like a few mistakes across the season is made up for in what Granite Xhaka gives there's absolutely no doubt about that uh, Yaya says Xhaka was leaving until Arteta convinced him to say we'll see by the end of the season if the decision proves right uh, well based upon the fact he's Arsenal's best player so far this season according to all of the information that's being given to CIES that would tell you that it was the right decision um, because he's outperformed everyone else on the pitch so far. Is that stat genuinely amazes me? Like, I never thought, I never expected that was the case. I never thought that that would be on the performance data that Granite Xhaka would be top of the table, especially considering what happened at the start of the season. My perception of it, but it turns out fair play to the guy because he's been pro he's proven me wrong. The stats have proven me wrong because I didn't think he'd be anywhere close to being our best player this season. But statistically, it has shown that he is our best player this season. Uh, Tom says, even if Xhaka became number three in the central midfield, there is still a big amount of game in a season between rotation and the very competition we're in. There's no issues there. Uh, Big Mike says, Xhaka is key to how we play. Keep him. Wilson says, since Xhaka has arrived at Arsenal, we have never finished in the top four. Something has to change sooner rather than later. Now, Wilson, I'm glad you brought this up. I hugely disagree with your point. But I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's an absolute myth how suddenly we can associate the fact that we've dropped out Champions League to one player. How that how that has happened, I don't know. <laughs> we suddenly goes, oh, you know who's been here since 2016? Oh, it was him. So we must be all his fault. No, it doesn't work that way. We haven't recruited well at all. We haven't recruited in general. We needed to add to the spine. We needed to add another better centre midfielder alongside him. We didn't do that. We needed to add better centre-backs. We didn't do that. We needed to add more in those kind of fullback areas and attacking areas. And we didn't do that to enough equality and we didn't do it very well. That's been the issue. That's why we're out of top four. It's because we've recruited pretty poorly over the last 10 years. Is Granite Xhaka part of that? Probably. Probably is. But you would say for someone that is as consistent as he is and is statistically as good as he is, 
that had we have maybe added Thomas Partey or a player equivalent to him next to Xhaka much sooner, maybe we wouldn't have the granite Xhaka that we have come as we've like become used to, I suppose. Now, as we do get to the middle point of the show, this is the opportunity for me to say a massive thank you, of course, to our sponsors for the show, Football Prizes. This week, we have two prizes uh, going on. There's still uh, half an hour of the show left, so make sure you drop a like on the video if you're enjoying things. But let me just show you this prize for this week because it's a blooming good one. Uh, Sign Thierry Henry shirt this week you can buy a ticket and of course the members will the expert members and the cgt ambassadors will be finding out which one of them has won the free ticket on friday's show uh it's selling quick there's only 18 tickets left of the 99 um that are left in the pile so if you would like to be in the chance of winning the science diary on reshow you need to buy a ticket on football prizes and also uh, because that's going so well, uh, they've actually released a second prize this week, a prize that Daniel Robert will know a lot about. Um, but we've got another opportunity to win a signed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, signed framed montage. Uh, so there you go. Um, from the, I think this is from the 1819 season. Uh, I think. You have to tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, and beyond that. So this is a signed uh, photo montage. This is also going pretty quickly. It went up, I think, yesterday, and they've already sold 32 of the 66 tickets. It's a slightly cheaper one as well. Um, so if you want to win either of those or be in the chance of winning either of those, then there you go. Go give Foot Prizes some love and uh, and good luck on the draw. Uh, Yonick, when is the Granite Xhaka shirt competition? I don't know, mate, but I'm going to be entering that one, son. You know, my G. Raf says, to be honest, uh, Xhaka is part of that. We have to also factor in that he's contributed to more errors leading to goals than anyone else. We need to change the identity of the team, and he's part of it. Raf, I hear you, son, but I think the considerable amount of time that he's been here, we've talked about this. I'm, I feel like I'm talking myself into the ground now, saying it over and over again, but I know you probably joined us a little bit later. Um, five years, eight mistakes, under two a season, it's not a big thing in the comparison of the context of those five seasons. If we had added a Thomas Partey-style player next to him earlier, you would have seen all the good things that we get from Granit Xhaka over the course of that time. We didn't do that, and unfortunately, because we didn't do that, we've then basically put all of the emphasis on him to be the main disciplined player in the team, which is never going to be the... It's never, ever going to be the best-case scenario, really. Um... The Arsenal Misfit says, I don't care what those stats say. Xhaka has, out Xhaka has not outperformed Saka this season. That's why I hate these stats. They are very misleading. I think people call stats misleading when they don't agree with them. <laughs> that's, that's usually how it works, isn't it? If the stats don't agree with you, stats are misleading. That's just the point. I know we talk about the eye test. I get it. But I actually think what statistics do is they reveal the side of the game that you and I miss. Statistics tell us what's going on behind the scenes that you don't notice because football is a very flair-style game. It's a thing. It's a game in which you notice the big things, like an error, like a goal, like an assist, like a great piece of skill. But actually, football is like that's that part of the game is very small in terms of the percentage. The ninety-five percent of the game and more is just it's just so much more that we don't appreciate. And players like Granite Xhaka are necessary. Would I want a Granite Xhaka that didn't make the mistakes, didn't get the red cards? Of course I would. And if there's one out there, let's go grab them because that would be great. But the fact is, is that in the summer, we need to go and sign someone. We need to go and sign someone that is ultimately going to be better than Granite Xhaka because if we're going to go and sign anyone, it can't be someone that just isn't. And the amount of times I've seen people shout out player names and I've gone, he's not even better than Granite Xhaka. I'm trying to think of an example now of what people want. I just the amount of names that people throw out, and I'm like, 
that doesn't upgrade on what we've got. That's not better than what we've got. Why would you want to go out and sign one that's not better than what we already have? Go out and sign someone that's better. That should be where uh, where we go. Anyway, I kind of want to bring a bookend to the Xhaka talk because on LTA, what we try and do is we talk about lots of Arsenal topics, but obviously that was kind of the main thing from today. So if you've got something else that you think is is a desperate kind of key point of topics surrounding Arsenal right now, throw it into the chat box. Get your questions in. Wilson says, when was the last time you had a haircut? <laughs> oh, I badly need one. This is so bad. It's actually horrific. Thankfully, though, hopefully... I'm going to get one tomorrow um, because the restrictions have loosened in the UK. You can uh, meet people outside. And what we're going to do is I think the missus, I think we're probably just going to get the missus to try and cut the hair again. Um, or, yeah, we'll, we'll do something. We're going to find a way. That's what we're going to do. We're going to find a way. Don't you worry. The hair is going to get cut. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. The hair is going to get cut. Uh, Raf says, I don't think he's a bad player, but he's not the player to take us forwards. If we can get a better player, more athletic, Passing forwards, uh, Xhaka isn't amazing in my opinion. I tell you, mate, the passing forwards thing's a myth. Scroll back in the video, son. I've, I've shunned it. I've squashed it. Passing forwards, he does. And it's a myth that he doesn't. Uh, let's... Oh, where's my mouse gone? It's disappeared. Oh, no, the mouse has died. Uh, we have to use the... Uh, I hate using the tap pad on my mouse. It's really irritating. Uh, Chris says, Tom, who are your favourite left-footed centre midfielders to replace Granite Xhaka if we upgrade upon him? It's very simple. Uh, Fabian Ruiz. <laughs> Fabian Ruiz is an amazing, amazing centre midfielder. He would be the one I'd go for. Absolutely, hands down, no questions asked. Pay the money. Whatever Napoli want, we'll give it to you because he is a brilliant footballer and someone that should be 24 years of age. Really good age to bring him in. He's got lots of football ahead of him all day long. Bring him in all day long. Um, Ajit says, Tom, who are your favourite non-Arsenal players? That's also a very interesting question. Um, Zobosla is the obvious answer, as is... Um, <laughs> who's my boy before that? Uh, Marco Asensio. So, yeah, I, I haven't talked about Asensio for so long. but <laughs> Completely forgot who he was. But yeah, Zobosla, Asensio. Um, who else? I used to love Valentino Lazaro when he was at Salzburg, and then he went to Newcastle. It was dreadful. Um, so he didn't really kind of fulfil that that potential that he had when he was at Salzburg. Um, who else? Other players. Other players. What's the question in the pre- oh? It was in the Premier League. Oh yeah, fair enough. Favorite non-Arsenal players in the Premier League. Um. um I love Yuri Tielemans. Um, who else do I like? Um, I love Thomas Suchek. They're all midfielders. Um, I wish we had an Arsenal, basically. But yeah, I like Jack Grealish a lot. I like... Um, trying to think of anyone else. Basuma, I really like. Um, Matty Cash, I quite like just because of... I just think he's a bit of an old school right back and I quite like him for that. Uh, Striker-wise... Um, I used to love watching Timo Werner at Leipzig and it's annoying he's gone to Chelsea so <laughs> you probably put him up there as well so yeah um, I'm not a big fan of St. Maximin addicted I think he's a very kind of flair player that looks great but actually when you break him down his, his output's pretty low so I'm not the biggest fan of, of him whatsoever Jermaine says question Torreira needs to stay but he is not settled do you think Arteta can convince him to stay if not go and buy Basuma 
Uh, and yeah, while we're on the topic of Torreira, of course, his mother passed away today from the best of my knowledge. And so thoughts are, of course, with, with him. That's a really, really horrible thing to happen. There's, it's not a great world we live in right now. Um, but yeah, just thoughts are with him. But in terms of like his prospects and the future at Arsenal, it seems as though he's kind of his mindset's not really at the club. Like he's wanted to move away and go somewhere else to get more opportunities. That's why he went to Atleti and he probably end up back in Italy at some point. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if even if he, if he is better than Granite Xhaka now, like when he came in, I was like, yeah, this guy is way better than Granite Xhaka. Then he got misused by Unai Emery and then got an injury and has gradually kind of declined a bit. But maybe if he was given a chance to be a regular player in a good position, like the base of the midfield, maybe he could be. Maybe he really could be a, a different player for us. We'll have to wait and see. You never know. I didn't expect El Nenny to come back this season and put on some decent performances. Maybe Torreira can do the same. We're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, Big Mike says, Tom, which are the three most important positions we need to target this season? It's funny you should say that, Big Mike, because we did a show on that yesterday. Literally, we, <laughs> we covered all of the different kind of positions that we need to prioritise. Uh, off the top, right, just based on what I think, I think it should be centre midfield, attacking midfield, uh, and a backup left back is is kind of where my head's at. Probably a backup goalkeeper, but you said three. So centre midfield, attacking midfield, and backup left back are my are my three uh, positions. But if you want to listen to a lot more discussion around that, go and watch yesterday's show, uh, yesterday's show. Uh, Tesco says, uh, do you reckon we should sign Robertson as a backup to Tierney? Yes. <laughs> I love the shade. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Porky Porks says, uh, do you think we pull a rabbit out of the hat and win the Europa, Tom? Uh, big challenges. I think the Liverpool game will be telling... Um, and depending on our chances, yeah, I think that the Liverpool game will have a big kind of, it's going to be a bit of a barometer um, as to where we are after the international break, which we don't tend to come back from too well. Historically, that will tell us a lot, of course, about, um, about, about how we are ahead of Slavia Prague. We need to find out what's going on with there with Kudela, the guy that was obviously involved in the, the alleged racist incident with Glenn Kamara. If he's going to be banned, that'll be a big blow to them because he's one of their key players. I think he's their captain. So there's a lot of things that still need to be kind of addressed and talked about before then. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, Babish says, uh, forget the stats for a minute. Do you think Xhaka have, has had a better season than Saka overall? In terms of like ha the impact of the players, my instinct tells me and what I've seen tells me that Saka has had a much better season. But that's, again, football is a very, as we've talked about, flair game and you don't appreciate often the things that are going on behind the scenes in terms of things that you don't notice. So... You know, I'm a stats man. And if the stats say that Xhaka's the best, then Xhaka's the best. <laughs> um, Vinnie Eagle says, uh, does the African Cup of Nations put you off getting Basuma? It honestly doesn't. It's like two to three weeks usually in these senses. If a, if a nation goes far, it's longer. But it's like a month and a bit max. It doesn't put me off it. It happens once every four, two, three, four years, or whatever it is. I, it genuinely, it's not gonna. I don't think it's it's something that to be too concerned about. I think we'd have cover, and this is why you should keep Jacker because while Basuma's away, Jacker's fine to come in and be that replacement. Absolutely fine. Um, let's find some more questions. Uh, Matt G says, Tom, I want to enter the competition to win the Omri show. Is Omri from <laughs> Henry? 
<laughs> oh, I see. The question. Yes, the question. They always make the question very easy, Matt. Uh, that's why they make it easy. It's just, I assume it's like a step verification system. Um, I don't know why that is the question, but yeah, it's always very, very easy. <laughs> uh, Porky Pork, I never, um, sorry, um, Brian, I never really answered your question about do you think we're going to pull a rabbit out of the hat and win the Europa League? Um, I, I think that we really have a good chance. We genuinely have a really, really good chance of of winning the Europa League. I think that we should beat Slavia Prague, and if we don't, then you have to raise some serious criticisms at the at the players and at the coach for not being able to do that. We should get past a Villarreal or a Dinamo Zagreb. I really hope that Dinamo Zagreb win that game just to avoid the narrative of Unai Emery. Um, I really, really do think hope that we avoid that game and that Dinamo can come through in that one. Uh, once again, as they, I mean, they did us a favour against uh, Spurs. So, you know, they could do us a favour for Villarreal as well. Um, I, we should be getting to the final. It's just facts. We should get to the final. And then you're thinking we're either going to be playing against Manchester United, who are probably going to get past Granada, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. And then you've got uh, Roma and Ajax. And they are two decent sides. And I think they'll give Man United a good game in the semi-final if, if they do get there. So that's that's what I want to see, really. That's what I want to see is just Arsenal progress, build up momentum and are strong into the season. And then we're a bit of a good cup team. We've shown to be a decent cup side. So we get to a fair few finals of late. We've lost one. And we've uh, and we've won a fair few others, so maybe we can get to this final and and win this one too. So fingers crossed. Uh, Dominic says, "Is Cadella allowed to play?" I don't know, honestly. I haven't really looked into this yet and what's happened. As far as I was aware, I don't think any action has been taken yet. I might be wrong. Uh, Josh says, "Would you start Martinelli against Liverpool with consideration to Mane as he plays on the left to provide a lot of defensive assurance to Tierney?" Um, I don't th- would I play him? Well, in my opinion, if if the, if my kind of starting team is all fit, I'm playing Smithrow and Odegaard together, which means Smithrow is going on the left, the guy Saka goes on the right, and Abamyang probably. Although I'm really leaning more towards Lacazette based on form, um, so Lacazette in the middle against Liverpool. So yeah, and then we can bring Abamyang on later if we need him, but. Yeah, Aubameyang really frustrated me against West Ham. Really, really frustrated me in that game. And Lacazette, I was impressed. So that's it. Uh, Omar says, would you deactivate social media if Emery knocks us out of the Europa League? No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I just, I'd be very, very gutted. Um, especially because I know there'd be a lot of Arsenal fans out there that would be celebrating that fact, which is a very, actually, I say Arsenal fans, they're not Arsenal fans, are they? Um, but they'd be celebrating that fact, really. And then they'd be using it um, as well, which is a real shame. Um, but, yeah, it's a shame that people are around like that. But, you know, it's a really horrible world at the moment. Uh, Matt says, do you see any 100 million-plus transfers this summer? Not from Arsenal, um, but I think Jaden Sancho and Erling Haaland from Dortmund are two players that could go for more than 100 million. I think Jaden Sancho really could go possibly to Manchester United for that amount of money. They're, they're still interested in, they still want him. So that's that's a real possibility. Erling Haaland, I'm, he has a buyout clause that activates not this summer, but next. And I think that a club will move for that to get him now, like to, to try and get him now and avoid other competition. I think you'll see Real Madrid 
probably end up going for him. Real Madrid haven't spent haven't spent like they they haven't got the Galacticos in of late. They've, they went and got Aiden Hazard, but they really have been a bit conservative in some of their transfer windows. They've saved a bit of money. They've also sold players. I think that Madrid have the capacity to to probably go out and do it. There is a situation with their taxes, which may restrict them. But as with them and Barcelona, usually the restrictions aren't that restricting. So I'm kind of expecting, um, I'm kind of expecting to uh, see Real Madrid probably going for Holland. Holland, I should say, really. Uh, Vinny says, uh, do you think if Cedric was played further forward, he could become our Beckham slash Ronaldo due to his great looks? Uh, yes, Vinny, obviously. There's only one answer for that, and the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> Matt Thornton asks a good question. He says, what are your thoughts on the new Swiss system for the Champions League, or are you going to do a show on it? Uh, no, because Arsenal aren't in the Champions League. <laughs> if we get into the Champions League, then I might do a separate show on it, on how it affects us. My honest answer is I'm I'm not that bothered by it. I really think it's I think it's going to be a good thing. I think you're going to see a lot more good matches in football. There's more teams involved. It goes up to 36. It becomes a, a Swiss league where so if you don't know, let me just explain for you quickly. In 2024, it's very likely the Champions League and what we know the Champions League to be right now is going to change. It's probably going to be increased to 36 teams from 32. Two of those teams will be from uh, countries qualifying through winning their leagues or other. Uh, coefficient metrics. The other two teams is where it's a little bit controversial because they're saying that two teams were brought through on historical merit, which is what a lot of people would consider not very fair um, because it's not a fair way of qualifying. You might see Arsenal qualified because of their historical merit in regards to how many times they managed to stay in the competition, um, in which case we wouldn't be moaning, would we? Um, but I, I think it'll be more likely teams that are, have won it in the past and aren't necessarily in it um rather than us but i think the fact that we were in it for so long may have an impact on that what happens then is that you have your your seeding so every one of the 36 teams becomes seeded based upon their coefficients performances etc you then play five home games and five away games against 10 of those 36 teams after those 10 games you're placed in the table three points or a win as it was in the group's as it was in the group stage in regards to points and in leagues, three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero for a loss. Where you are in that league table then determines what happens next. If you're in the top eight teams, you automatically progress to the next round. If you are in from ninth place to 24th place, so 12 teams get knocked out immediately, as far as I'm aware, um, those teams from ninth to 24, they then go through a qualification round where they will all be paired off and then the winners of those paired rounds will leave you with an eight and those eight teams that qualify will join the eight that automatically qualified to make up the last 16. The last 16 then plays out exactly the same as the Champions League that we know already so the knockout stage parts of the rounds does not change at all. The whole point of this competition is to increase the watchability of the competition to make their more high profile games and what some people would consider to be not so much a, a good thing, but to see more big teams qualify for the knockout rounds and to see many more big ties in the knockout rounds. That's what it's designed for. I'm fine with it. I think it's going to be quite a fun system. I think it might actually backfire for some of what they're thinking, and you might still see some small teams or some surprises that didn't necessarily happen. But the, the knockout stage is the same. The magic isn't going. I mean, the group stage in themselves can be pretty predictable in the Champions League at times, but the knockout stages are not changing. They are going to be exactly the same, and if anything, they could be even better. 
So I really wouldn't let this style system change. The Champions League has only existed in its current format for just under 30 years, 1992, I think it came in, where it was before that, it was the European Cup, where only the league winners of the European leagues were in the competition. So football changes, things change. It's going to happen. And within a couple of seasons, you'll be used to it and you won't be moaning about it. So it's actually, it's not a bad thing whatsoever. Um, Arjit says, what are your thoughts about the Eredivisie and the Belgian League joining and potential candidates for such uh, onions uh, in other countries? <laughs> I know you didn't mean I think you meant unions. <laughs> I said onions. <laughs> um, oh, God. <laughs> the Eredivisie and the Pro League joining together, I think, is actually really interesting. I think it will help those leagues get better and more money. It sucks for the smaller sides. It really does. Um, but for leagues like that, it's sometimes things like that where you're going to see the likes of Ajax, PSV, FC20, um, Vitesse Arnhem, um, thinking of other decent sides, RZ Alkmaar, um, the, the, the bigger Dutch sides, you're going to see them alongside the likes of Anderlecht and Antwerp and some of the bigger teams in Belgium and, and Genk and Ghent, etc. Like there's some big teams in both of those leagues and them coming together is going to help those that that kind of union league grow. Do I see other kind of union leagues? Maybe you might see a Scandinavian league where the Norwegian, Swedish, Finnish leagues uh, come into, uh, all come together. Maybe that happens. Um, so uh, the Danish league as well, of course. Um, you might see some some changes. So who knows? I don't expect to see too many others, like the Portuguese and the Spanish league joining. I, I doubt that would happen. Um, Austria um, maybe joins with someone next to it, like a, the Hungarian league or, or places like that, maybe. Um, I think it's a good idea. I think it's good for those leagues, the top teams. And I know I'm very selfish and coming from an outside perspective, but as a neutral You'd see a lot more high-profile games in those leagues. I think it would breed higher levels of competition. It sucks for the smaller teams. It really will suck for the smaller teams. But maybe there'll be a, a positive that comes out of it. But I'm looking at it from the selfish perspective of enjoying football and seeing more high-profile games. So maybe maybe my mind's wrong about that. Um, uh, Ryan says, Do you, uh, does Alba fit the end game vision of Arteta's process I know he's not informed, but he's off the ball. Uh, play is always questionable. What kind of key striker do you think fits our set's process? I mean, arguably, Ryan, when you're looking at those two, Lacazette suits what Arteta wants more. It's just, it's clear to me, I think. It's clear to me um, that Lacazette suits it. But Lacazette typically is not as good as a striker and as a finisher as what Aubameyang is. I think Aubameyang's had a really bad patch of finishing recently. But I actually think that he's better. But Lacazette, I think, suits more. Does he fit the long term? Probably not. But if you're going to play a very high creative system, which is what Arteta's style is gradually getting towards being, it's a system where you create lots of chances, utilising the wide areas and starting to use the central part of the pitch by bringing in players like Erdogan and Smith-Rowe. I think that what we will see is Aubameyang could flourish in that system as kind of a poacher as we create all those chances. But I do think that he wants a striker that can link up. I actually think he'll look at what Harry Kane has done under uh, Jose Mourinho and how good he has kind of become in the way that he drops in and helps the wide areas. I think he would love a striker like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I think he'll be happy with what uh, Aubameyang can give him over the next kind of two two seasons or so. Um, 
As Omar says, Tom wants to extend this show uh, to an hour to make sure of his love for Xhaka. The show's always an hour, Omar. It's always an hour. LTA, Let's Talk Arsenal, is always an hour. As best I can be. Always an hour, mate. Always an hour. Um, I'm glad we've come back round, though. And you, if you joined us late, we did discuss Granite Xhaka earlier on in the video, and you can scroll back and read that stuff. Um, Karthik says, Tom, do you think it will be okay to sell players like Xhaka, Laka, and Bellerin all at once? They're all big names and leaders in the dressing room. This is a really good question. And you might be losing David Luiz as well. If, if you think about it, who are going to be the leaders that are left behind? Who are going to be the people that know the, know the values of the club when left behind? Arteta being there is big. Arteta being there is important. You then look at Tierney being there. I think that's really big. I think Thomas Partey gets it. I think Bakaya Saka, Smith-Rowe coming through the academy, they in themselves are good uh, personalities to have in there as well. Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, um, Bert Leno. Uh, I think these are good characters to have in the squad. Um, Gabriel, we've got some really good young players coming through. I think we've got some good young players that are already playing in the first team. So I think you make a good point about Xhaka, Laka and Bellerin all maybe going um, as a necessarily bad thing. But you also, you can sign leaders. You can sign players that have that go get him attitude. You've got the Martin Erdegaard's coming and been exactly that. I think if you watched his kind of mic uh, video where they not, I don't know if they mic'd him up, but you could hear exactly what he's saying throughout the games. And he really has for me that, that leadership quality in him as well. So as we, as long as we sign players like that, I don't think it necessarily matters too, uh, too much. Uh, MJ Marshall says, what do you think about the striker from Fiorentina? Uh, which one? Uh, let me just, Look, I want to I want to honor your question. So let's have a look at who you could be talking about. Uh, let's have a look. My Serie A knowledge is not great. Um, who are you talking about? You're talking about uh, Dusan Vlahovic, um, who is a Serbian striker. How's he getting on this season? I genuinely haven't watched. He scored 12 goals in 27 games, two assists. Honestly. Um, MJ, I'm not going to have a go answering your question because I like to think I know a fair bit about football, but I, I haven't seen any of, of, of Dusan Vlahovic at all. Um, a good person to ask is Rich Hall on Twitter. Uh, I often go to him for my Serie A stuff. So if you want to know more about him, then uh, then there you go. He's, he's someone maybe you should look at. But 12 goals in 27 games for Fiorentina. Um, we'll have to have a look at him. He's only 21. So it's, it's, it's someone, someone that I'll have to look at. Thank you for bringing him to my attention. Because um, I will definitely, uh, definitely uh, look more into him. Um, ben M says, who to sign at centre-back in the summer? Ben, honestly, I don't know. Because I think that Saliba coming back and Mavropanos coming back is good. I think one of them may end up going. David Luiz, do you keep him for another season? I still err on the side of probably no. We've then got Holding. You've got Chambers, Mavropanos, Saliba, Gabriel and Marie. That's a lot. And I think that I would focus my attentions on more of the centre midfield, attacking midfield, backup left back, backup goalkeeper, right back if Bellerin goes and maybe even a striker depending on what we do with Lacazette. So I think that centre-back is actually quite far down my list in regards to, to what I'd go for. Um, Josh says, who would you prefer, Eduard or Tony? Uh, Eduard, I've really gone off, Tony. I've watched The more I've watched of him, the less I want him. I think he's very raw for a 24-year-old. I think he would cost a lot for what he is. I would steer clear, personally, and I would rather Eduard. Um, Matt G says, just blag it, Tom. Yeah, he's decent, uh, but he's not as good as Xhaka. 
<laughs> Very true. I like the way you think, Matt. I like the way you think. Um, Southern Evolution, um, appreciate your, your time in the chat and welcome. Uh, make sure you drop a like on the video, sir. Uh, Ajit says, Demir Bay is a solid all-round centre midfield by Leverkusen. Would you take him as ours? I don't know if he's any better than Granit Xhaka. Enough that would make me want to go, yeah, let's get him. I'd rather go for a Ruiz, uh, Mikel Moreno. I'd rather go for someone like that, personally, than, than Demir Bay. Um, do, 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 do. Let's scroll up a little bit more. Uh, Vinny Eagle says, what big man would you want to lead the line? I didn't think Giroud suited the way we used to play, but would be deadly now as we cross so much. It's interesting, Vinny, because at the start, first half of the season, we crossed a lot. This half of the season, the crossing has gone down. Towards the ends of games when we've struggled to get a result, it's come back. But actually, the way that we want to play doesn't actually involve a lot of crossing. It involves a lot of more low-driven balls across the box, cutting back from the byline or trying to find those incisive passes through the defensive lines. But actually, crossing aerially has, has kind of drifted away from what we've wanted to do. So in the first half of the season, if we identified that as our style, I would have been like, yeah, January, go and get a, a Val Veghorst, go and get... Uh, and Andre Silva, go and get a Uremchuk, these types of players. But we, I think, and I think we've seen in the second half of the season, actually Arteta's style is nowhere near as much about aerial crossing that it used to be. If we still want to sign someone as a plan B, which is never a bad thing to bring someone in that can be a different kind of element you're getting, because you look at how successful teams have been by throwing on big men at the end of the game, Spurs of Urente, Man United with Fellaini, Chelsea now with Giroud, us with Giroud, um, I would go out and get someone that wouldn't be expensive. I would go out and someone that can be a plan B option, like a Uremchuk maybe, um, that's still young, that holds value, that could even be, has the potential to become a first choice. Um, or an Andre Silva that would come in and be more of your starting choice, but I think that's more difficult to do. Uh, Drew will tell me off for saying that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I actually move away from that and I'm actually more inclined to go with the uh, a finisher, someone that's a really solid, composed finisher that's that's not just about that, but can hold the ball up. That's a little bit like Lacazette, but better, basically. We just need a better Lacazette is what I'd want. Um, a lot of people would say that's Edouard. I'm not as keen. I like En Naziri because I think he's really good at hold-up plays. He's not slow. He's still quick for a taller guy, and he can hold the ball up well. So that's that's why I usually go for an En Naziri type. Uh, Omar says, Dabala, yes or no? I err on the... <laughs> It depends, doesn't it? If you're asking me if I'd rather have Erdogan or Dybala, or I'd rather have Erdogan. If it's Dybala or no one, obviously I'd rather have Dybala. But Dybala is very similar for me to Nabil Fakir in the sense they're both very direct in the way that they play from that kind of second striker position that's like a, a blurs the lines between second striker and number 10. They're more direct. But the issue is I think Arteta wants a 10 that could be more creative, that's more of a passing style number 10 than a second striker like a Fakir or a Dybala. So I'm not sure, Omar. I would take him if it was a case of we wanted to go down the route of using a number 10 in that way to be a backup striker, a second striker, uh, that type of style. But I think that Arsenal should prioritise looking at more creative number 10s like an Erdogan style than a Dybala personally um so yeah that's that's kind of where my head's at on that one uh yo-yo says what label slash brand would you like arsenal to collab with i like them collabing with adidas i really do um i like the adidas kits i didn't like the puma style i liked nike 
uh, or Nike or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, and as, as I say that, I'm really not Adidas is what some people, oh God, it's Adidas, guys. It's Adidas is how it's pronounced. Um, <laughs> I think that Adidas is great. I think that's, that's that fits the Arsenal style. I think they get the history. I think they get the retro style, the the, the Art Deco kind of styles that you see. I think that's that's absolutely fine for me. Um, so yeah, let's scroll up. Have I missed any big questions that people have thrown into the chat that I have missed? Ryan says, "Do you think in the next couple of seasons we're talking about potentially new strikers as we are not able to get Martinelli to be?" Out and out striker, job done or is it not? I think the Martinelli's got hope and has got potential, and I think maybe he could play there. I still think we may sign someone uh, in that position. So yeah, Josh says, "What would be your best centre back partnership for next season?" I mean, I'd hope it would be Gabriel and Saliba. I really hope it will be that. I don't know if it is, but I really, really hope it is. Um, <laughs> Deary me, going on about things, <laughs> Enrico. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. Uh, Matt Thornton says, would you take a punt on Alfredo Morelos? Um, to me, he's better than Eduard. The, the Colombian Rangers striker, is that who you're talking about? I mean, he's a bit of a bad boy. Um, I'm not sure I would, you know. I'd, no, again, I only want to bring in players that get into the other top four sides, uh, top six sides, top 20 sides in the Premier League these days. Um, I just want to sign someone that improves us, Matt. I think that's where my head's at. That's that's where I'm thinking right now, to be honest. Um, okay. Uh, Matt G says, just seen on Twitter that Emil Smith-Rowe is injured. Anyone else heard this? Uh, he's a doubt for the under-21s game. That's that's all I know is that he's a doubt for the under-21s game. He's not out and out injured, but he's a doubt, uh, which is a shame. Um, but that goes to show that we do need to go and kind of go and sign another number 10 in the summer. We need to do an Erdogan again because we can't rely on Smith-Rowe's fitness. We really, really can't. Um, let's round off the show there because I've actually given you a little bit more time than you deserve because <laughs> we're only meant to go for an hour, so you're lucky. Gave you some more. I really appreciate if you could drop a like on the video today, guys. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been a bit of a mad day and uh, obviously we covered stuff at the start of the show and I hope you've enjoyed the show and I hope you've enjoyed the content as you always do. Be positive, people. Be nice on social media. Go out and be nice to people. If you see something you don't agree with, either ignore it or respond to it in a respectful way. Just, yeah, just spread the positivity, guys, please. Uh, it's really important that we do that. It's really, really key that we that we just stay as positive. If you, if you think that what you've done previous to today, you look back on that now and you're going, oh, I should, probably shouldn't have said some of that stuff, then let today be the day that you change your ways. I'd not want, I don't want to cancel you. I don't want to cancel people. I want to see people change. I want to see people get better. I want to see people reform. So let's let's go out and, uh, you know, be as positive as we feasibly can be. Um, football's coming back, guys. Liverpool on Saturday. Really, really excited. I'm going to be joining Hugh for the watch along, confirm that with him today. Um, so that's going to be great. Haircut tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to get my hair cut. I really can't because this is ridiculous. This is so long. Oh, God. I mean, I, oh, look at this. It's crazy. Crazy scenes. That's why I'm wearing a hat so much. Um, and what else is coming up? So tomorrow, 
tomorrow, I'm doing a show tomorrow with Deluded Guna. Not on here. I'm doing it on DG's channel. And I know that a lot of people in the comment section have said that they've wanted me to do a show with with DG. Uh, so I'm going to be joining Deluded Guna tomorrow for a show midday-ish time, um, I believe. So... Go check that out. I assume it's going to be live. It might not be. I don't know. If, I don't know if it'll be live or not. But yeah, I'm going to be joining him a little bit later on today. So that should be fun uh, tomorrow. Sorry, that should be fun. Thursday's the preview show. So Thursday, three o'clock preview show. Liverpool members. If you want to, uh, if you want to, what was I going to say? Uh, if you want to come on uh, for our preview shows, our expert members and our TGT ambassadors are able to come on the shows if you put it into the right channel on the discord server then let me know and we'll have some of you on i usually want to try and get three max people on the show so let me know if you want to come on and we'll do that new graphics as i've said and i keep saying are coming very soon it's going to look very very different on here very soon nothing's changed in regards to content besides them getting better uh all the same shows are going to continue uh, i saw someone says when's lee coming on the show karthik uh judges was meant to be on today but for very obvious reasons which i know you're aware of uh, he's taking some time out to reflect on things um so yeah uh just respect that and and there you go so uh is there anything else uh friday what am i doing friday let's talk castle we're back on friday as normal and we'll be revealing which of course one of the members has won the free ticket into the thierry Henry shirt draw uh i believe it's that one or it's the abamyang one one of the two uh, it should be the Henri shirt one but if you want to try and get a ticket for one of those two there's still tickets left just go on to the football prizes and, and see but there's not many left uh for the thierry on redraw so make sure you get a ticket for that and the abamyang signed one there's about half of those ones left so make sure yes omar i know i'm waffling i understand but you're still here <laughs> you're still listening so i was going to carry on waffling um thank you so much for tuning in guys i will see you tomorrow on the deluded guna channel and would i'm sure we'll do a show over here as well with hopefully some shorter hair i'll see you again very very soon guys and as always up the arsenal <laughs> It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.